Let's open the Word of God to the New Testament in the book of Matthew, chapter 6. Matthew, chapter 6. Thank you, everyone, for being here. What a beautiful, crisp fall evening the Lord has given us, and it's a real pleasure to be here tonight. So Matthew, chapter 6, and we'll be starting in verse 19. The Bible says this, Lay not up for yourselves treasures upon earth, where moth and rust doth corrupt, and where thieves break through and steal. But lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven, where neither moth nor rust doth corrupt, and where the thieves do not break through nor steal. For where your treasure is, there will be your heart also. The light of the body is the eye. If therefore thine eye be single, thy whole body shall be full of light. But if thine eye be evil, thy whole body shall be full of darkness. If therefore the light that is in thee be darkness, how great is that darkness. No man can serve two masters, for either he will hate the one and love the other, or else he will hold the one and despise the other. Ye cannot serve God and mammon. Let us pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you so much for the privilege to come together tonight to read your word, to learn about your truths. Lord, I ask that you be with me in this message tonight. And I pray that it would be an encouragement to those here. Lord, we pray for all the youth and the teens in the building tonight. What a blessing it is to have them here. Lord, let us use your word this week to be an encouragement to us as we go through our lives. Lord, we thank you. We love you. In Jesus' name, we pray. <clears throat> so tonight, the, the topic of the message is going to be investing in God. I know some of you that were in the growth points a couple weeks ago heard me reference uh, Matthew 6, 21. And let me read it again. It says, For where your treasure is, there will be your heart also. This has been a very impactful verse to me this past year. Uh, and I feel like it's a very good verse in general for good self-reflection. So if you honestly ask yourself, where has been your treasure recently? What have you been focused on? What have you been spending your time and energy on? And most importantly, what's the reward for that? What's the treasure that you're getting? Typically, you can see these priorities or treasures are evident by someone's investment of their time, their effort, or their resource. It doesn't take long to figure out where a person's heart is if you look at what they're prioritizing in their life. So tonight's talk will be focusing on how do we invest back into God. I'm going to give you the short answer up front because we all know it. God gave us Jesus. Jesus died for our sins. That's how he invested in us. And then Jesus gave us the Great Commission. Go ye therefore and teach all nations, right? We're supposed to spread the gospel of Jesus Christ. And that is the most important thing. That is our investment back to God. But I understand, you know, direct witnessing is, is very intimidating for many people. We all have different spiritual gifts. And for a lot of us, it's, it's, it is a challenge or it's difficult to just go directly witness to somebody, right? So tonight I want to focus more on some of the things that we can do in our daily life to invest back to God. Not only will it help edify our relationship with God, but these are also ways and behaviors that we can invest back to God by being a witness to people around us in our daily lives. So the first thing I want to talk about is the guaranteed investment. 
So we saw in our reading tonight, in verse 19, that he says to not lay your treasures upon earth. We know that our earthly rewards are going to expire at death. No matter how big a house you have or how nice a car you have, you're not going to take it to heaven, right? So he comes out in verse 20 and he says, lay for yourselves treasures in heaven. But he does mention specifically that it will not be corrupted. It won't be stolen. We know that we won't be snatched out of God's hand. So it's a guaranteed investment. I saw a pastor preaching the other day on the live stream. And let, let us read the white in our season theme here together. Let him come unto me and drink. Out of his belly shall flow rivers of living water. Not maybe, not probably, but shall flow. John 3.16, whosoever believe on Jesus should not perish, but have everlasting life. We know God doesn't lie, and these are all statements of affirmation. They shall not, you should not perish, but have everlasting life. This is a guaranteed investment that we see over and over throughout the scripture. So on our end, what is our investment? In this verse here, simply going to Jesus and drinking of him. Simply believing on him for your salvation. And not only will he satisfy us, but he gives us the Holy Ghost that will flow out of us to show others the goodness of God, to witness, to teach, to preach the gospel, the good news of Lord Jesus, to help invest souls back to him. This is God investing in us so that he enables us to invest back to him. How great is our God, always giving abundantly and exceedingly in all things. So let us take a moment and think about <clears throat> how easy it is to tell what other people are prioritizing in their life. Right? You can think of examples in your life. Oh, he's always on his phone, or she's always at the gym, he's always at the office. Right? These are things that come to mind that are evident to the people around you in your life. It's easy to understand what their focus, what their priority, where they're putting their energy. But we must remember that simply being a Christian doesn't mean that our priorities are straight, especially in our day-to-day -day lives, right? Just because you go to church on Sundays doesn't mean that you're investing in God. So again, I'd like to ask everyone here to think honestly, what are you prioritizing? What are you spending your time energy, and resources on. But now we see that Jesus gave us the Holy Ghost. He enabled us to be a lighthouse. You think about all the amazing outreach opportunities we had this summer. We had the Easter, we had the John and Romans, we had the summer food program. And how amazing was that to interact with the community, to be a lighthouse in the city of Kettering, to be the salt and light, a living witness to those around us. So I encourage you all, let us take the time energy and resources each and every day to make sure that we're keeping a close relationship with God and that our actions and our attitudes reflect that because people are watching and that is an investment to others by behaving according to what the scripture tells us to do, to being exemplary Christians to those in our lives. What a better way to witness to other people than just to show them the goodness of God. So the next topic I want to talk about is a worthy investment. So you all might recall 1 Corinthians chapter 13. That's a comprehensive overview of what love is and what love isn't. Kind of the do's and don'ts of love. 
Uh, I've, I've held this verse very close to my heart this year, and the word that's used in the English, the KJV uh, translation, is charity, but of course the Greek word is the word for love, agape, which is divine love. The Greek language has five versions of the word love, agape being specifically reserved for divine love or God's love, the highest version of love there is. And as a side note, <laughs> this doesn't have to do with the talk, but especially men, men with children, I cannot encourage you enough to understand the importance of 1 Corinthians 13, to understand what love is and what love isn't according to scriptures. With all the perversion in today's society, with all of the craziness going on in kids' lives, we should be able to treat our wives according to these biblical principles, that our children should have absolutely the ability to discern what real love is and what real love isn't. It's a very difficult season in their lives, especially in today's society. So I would really encourage uh, you to refresh on 1 Corinthians 13. But anyway, back to it. The chapter finishes by telling us, Now abideth in faith, hope, and charity. The greatest among these three is charity, is love. Now, another side note is one of the reasons that love is the most important of those three is because someday we won't need faith because we'll be with Jesus and we won't need hope because we'll be in heaven with Jesus. And the only thing left with us then will be the divine love of God. How amazing will that be? So again, I'm going to go back to John 3.16. It's a very common verse. If you know the first half, why don't you say it with me? For God so loved the world, he gave his only begotten son. Now I find it interesting that the shortest word in there is often overlooked or underemphasized. For God so loved the world. He didn't just like it, he didn't just love it a little bit. He so loved the world that he sent his son Jesus to die for us. If you don't know God personally here tonight yet, I want to absolutely assure you that God loves you. If you've been struggling with your faith, I want to assure you that God loves you. He has loved you since before you were born. He loves you today, and he will always love you. And, you know, the matter of it is, it's not because you or I are necessarily that special, but we are that special to God. And I want you to know that God cannot love you any more than he loves you today, and he will not love you any less. Now, I'm not in the business of telling God he can or can't do anything, because, of course, he can do anything. But the idea is that this agape love, this charity, this divine love is infinite. It is everlasting. There cannot exist any more love than agape love that God has for you. So let me say it again. God cannot love you any more than he loves you today. And he will not ever love you any less. So now that we understand the infinite magnitude of God's love for us, let us consider what he did with that love. So the second half of the first, John, first verse of John 316 is that he so loved the world he gave his only begotten son. Now again, look at the verbiage. He didn't loan, he didn't send, he gave. He gave his only begotten son. That's an investment. He gave his son Jesus to us. And we're all aware of what Jesus did on the cross, which indeed was the ultimate investment to us. But I want to talk a little bit more about how Matthew 6.21 applies to Jesus, too. Now, 
Leading up to his crucifixion, Jesus made a long journey to Jerusalem on a donkey. I'm not a donkey aficionado, but I can't imagine it was a rapid mode of transportation. But the idea is that Jesus made this journey going to Jerusalem, knowing exactly what was going to happen to him. He's taking his time on this journey, knowing that when he gets there, he's going to be beaten, he's going to be scourged, He's going to be spit on and mocked, and they're going to smash a crown of thorns on his head into his skull. And then they're going to nail him to a cross, and it's going to take him three days to die of exhaustion on the cross. And he still made that journey. So where was Jesus' heart? Where was his treasure? It's you. It's you. It's me. It's all of us who will call on the Lord Jesus. What an amazing investment he made for us. And oh, by the way, while he was hanging on that cross he was able to witness to two thieves hanging next to him and bring one of them to salvation. That's where Jesus' heart was. He invested in you. So we should absolutely make sure to do the same. So what did Jesus last say on the cross? What were his last words before he yielded the ghost? It is finished. What is finished? The debt was paid in full. He gave, God gave his only son and he paid our debt in full. He purchased us with his blood. Not only is that the gospel, but that is the full investment he made into each and every one of us. You know, it's really hard to be in a culture today that is so ungrateful. I really think it stems from so much of convenience, a lack of accountability, and it really just has some of these younger generations to be so ungrateful. So let us take extra care to, be, to thank God in all things. Let us tell others and show others how grateful we are for the investment God made for us. So I asked this a couple weeks ago in the Growth Points class, but if you woke up tomorrow and you only had the things that you've thanked Jesus for recently, what would you have? Now, I don't want an answer. I remember Miss Beth raised her hand and she said everything, and I'm, that's fantastic, and that's what it should be. We should be thankful to God. And that should be evident in our lives, right? So this is part of the thing. I'm going to bring it back to the Great Commission. If you, don't, if you don't have the spiritual gift to go out and just talk to people about the gospel of God, why don't you say, thanks, God, in your daily life. Give praise to God in your daily life. Let that be your testimony to those around you. Let that be a, a way to start a conversation. If you're thankful for something, say it out loud so other people can hear it. Thank you, God, for doing this to me. Praise the Lord that he did this for me. He is a worthy investment. So the next thing I'd like to talk about is a continual investment. So if you take your Bibles and you turn back one chapter to Matthew chapter 5, you might recall that today's reading is in the middle of the famous uh, Sermon on the Mount that Jesus gave. And at the beginning of that sermon, we see in chapter 5 here, he starts with the Beatitudes. It's a list of attitudes, characteristics, and behaviors that all Christians should follow. But here's what I want you to catch. After Jesus lists all of these Beatitudes, let us look down at Matthew 5, verse 16. And let's read it together. Verse 16. Let your light so shine before men that they may see your good works and glorify your Father which is in heaven. So he tells us all these things. He tells us these are the behaviors, these are the attitudes that you should have. But then he gives us the command, 
let your light so shine before men. Let us be a lighthouse. This is the idea of our continual investment of God, part of the Great Commission. How effective can we be at bringing people to Christ if we ourselves aren't exemplifying Christ in our daily lives? And now I want to draw your attention to the end of chapter 5, which is verse 46 and 47. And it says, For if ye love them which love you, what reward do you have? Do not even the publicans the same? And if you salute your brethren only, what do ye more than others? Do not even the publicans so. So what he's saying here is if we just come to church on a Sunday and we act like Christians on Sunday and that's the end of it, how are we any different than the non-believers? Right? We need to exemplify Christ in our daily lives, not just when we're at church. It's not our brothers and sisters who necessarily need to see that. Yes, it is an encouragement and it's a wonderful thing. But what about tomorrow when you go to work? What about on Friday when you see your neighbor? Right? We need to exemplify Christ through our actions. We need to be a lighthouse to those around us. You know, worship doesn't start here at the church house. It should start at your house. Joshua 24:15, one of my daughter Amantha's first memory verses. And it says, as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. It doesn't say, as for me and my house, we'll go to church once a week. It doesn't say, as for me and my house, we'll do things for the Lord when it's convenient for me. No, it says we'll serve the Lord. The idea of servitude, the state of being subject to someone or something more powerful. It has the connotation that it's ongoing and it's continual. It's not just for the church house. It's for every day of our lives. So if the Lord isn't present in our own homes, how do we expect him to be present in our lives to those around us? And that includes our own families. Uh, a guy we met last year at the men's conference, Dr. Scott Pauley, he is one of the best evangelical speakers I've ever heard. But he said it this way, if your family doesn't see you worship in your home, there's a good chance God isn't seeing it either. Right? Now think about that. That's good. So one of the most rewarding things about being a parent, um, you know, is, is when you invest something into your child, you do something for them or you take time to do something with them. You know, I just, I think a little Amantha coming up to me and saying, thank you, Daddy, I love you. How sweet is that? How rewarding is that to see that investment come back to you? There's nothing more rewarding than an honest, thank you, Daddy, I love you. So when we think about all these things that God does for us, all the blessings he's given us, why aren't we more quick to say, thank you, God, in our daily lives? Not just when we're praying, not just when we're at church, but at our daily lives. You know, the average person lives 28,000 days. Seems like a lot of days. But, of course, we don't know when our last one will be. But we do know what we've done with the ones we've already had. So if you look back on the days you've already lived and ask yourself, what have I done for God? Could I have done more? When we think about professional musicians or elite athletes, think about the investment of their time and energy. You don't see any professional musicians or athletes that just practice once a week on Sunday mornings, right? It's a continual investment. It's an investment of your time, your energy, giving back to the Lord. Does anyone have a neighbor kid who's always 
you know, out, outside practicing a sport or, you know, you can hear the trumpet blasting through the walls or whatever, right? But it's something you notice. And the next time you see that kid or the neighbor or whatever, what's the first thing you think of? Hey, how's basketball going? Or hey, how's the clarinet practice going? And that's because you noticed their continual investment. And that's exactly what we should do with Christ in our lives. Our investment to God, our thankfulness to God, our exemplifying of him through our actions should be evident to those around us to the point where when they see you, they think, man, that's a godly person. I wonder how his relationship's going with God. It gets them thinking. It plants the seed, right? It's a continual investment to those around us. So let us shine bright for Christ each and every day. Never be ashamed of following the Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Now I want to talk about the priority of our investment. <clears throat> so if we go back to chapter 6, and we look near the end of the chapter, Matthew 6, 33. Verse 33, let's read it together. But seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things shall be added unto you. So what's the command? But seek ye first. Again, not seek ye on Sundays, or seek ye when it's convenient, but seek ye first. The idea of it being your first priority of investment. So in an earthly sense, when it comes to long-term investments, like something like your retirement or your mortgage payments, you don't just do what you want during the month, and then at the end of the month, oh, if I have anything left, I'll do what I can. No, of course not. It's our first priority. And if you don't make it your first priority in the long run, you will certainly see diminished returns because you didn't prioritize it continually. So the same should be spoken about our priorities in serving God and investing in God. Again, it's not just going to church on Sundays. This is a daily priority. We in society are far too focused on the next big thing, a bigger paycheck, a bigger house, a new car, but Jesus is very clear here. He says, seek ye first. The kingdom of God should be our first priority and our daily focus. Oh, how easy it is to procrastinate, right? I'll do it tomorrow. I'll start tomorrow. Whatever the case may be, there's always a reason. Now, I know Brother Dennis, before he left, he had given a really nice uh, Sunday school series on Ephesians 6, the armor of God. And if you recall at the beginning of that, he tells us to put on the whole armor of God so that, does anybody remember? Withstand the wiles of the devil. That's very good. The wiles, the craftiness, the deceit, the deception, all the tricks of the devil. Now, in such a day where we have all of these distractions, how, 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 Successful is the devil when he uses these different tricks, these deceptions, to distract us from God, to make him so that he's not a priority in our lives. The Bible says that the devil is like a lion roaming about, waiting to devour his prey. Devour, of course, meaning disappear. We can all look around and remember people who might have been sitting next to you and have disappeared. It happens. The devil is very good at what he tries to do. And he uses many of these tactics to distract us. 
And how much would he love for us to disappear from our relationship from God, to detract us from prioritizing God in our life. We have so many devices these days. So we always need to remember to make God our priority. So let's revisit Matthew 6, 21. For where your treasure is, there will be your heart also. The devil has done his work every time he distracts you and takes your eyes off of God. Anything he can do to diminish your relationship with the Lord, he will do it. So let me ask you again, what are you prioritizing in your daily life? What are you spending your time and energy on? Are those things investing in your relationship with God, or are they giving you earthly rewards? So now we see here at the end of today's reading in Matthew 6, 24, that no man can serve two masters, for either he will hate the one and love the other, or else he will hold to the one and despise the other. Ye cannot serve God and man. Now again, when we talk about the term serve or servitude, that's the idea of it being a first priority to investing all of your time and energy into one thing. Now, it's not to say we can't enjoy things on earth. Of course we can. We have our families. We have our church. We have our jobs. All the blessings that God has given us. But the idea is we shouldn't serve anything outside of God. He should be our first priority. So when it comes to your priorities, when was the last time your family saw you pray? When was the last time a neighbor or a coworker heard you say, praise the Lord or thank you, God. And I'm not talking about when you're here at church. I'm talking about when was the last time that someone in your life noticed that you were prioritizing God. It is always easy to procrastinate, always having plans for tomorrow. But the truth of the matter is 150,000 people die every day, every 24 hours, 150,000 people. We don't know when our last day will come. So let us serve God today. Let us worship him today. Let us tell someone in our lives about the saving power of the Lord Jesus Christ today. And let me promise you this, you will never waste a day when you serve the Lord. <clears throat> so the last thing I want to talk about is practical investment. So again, the purpose of all of this is contributing to the Great Commission. There, there's no better investment we can make back to the Lord than to win souls for him. Um, so I wanted to walk through a few things that we can do in our daily lives that might help us witness to those around us. So if you're writing this down or you're taking notes, the first thing is read your Bible. The Bible says that all scripture is inspired by God and is profitable. Well, isn't that nice? That's a good investment. If I guaranteed you that you spending 20 minutes a day reading your Bible will be profitable, that's a good investment. And we know that 1 Peter 3.15 says, Be ready always to give an answer to every man that asketh you a reason of the hope that is in you with meekness and fear. Be ready always to give an answer. Now I know it's easier for some people to memorize scripture, and certainly we should try to do that. The Bible says to hide his word in your heart. But notice here he says, be ready always to give an answer, right? So use your personal testimony. Never underestimate how powerful your personal testimony is. You don't have to have a whole Rolodex of scripture just to talk to somebody in every situation. But have an answer ready. 
And the answer could be as simple as your personal testimony. What has God done for you? What transformations has he made in your life? Tell someone about the goodness of God. And this all comes from reading your Bible, being motivated, calling on the Lord to give you the strength. And for many, that personal testimony is the easiest way to witness to others. So I encourage you all, read your Bible. Read your Bible every day. The second thing is prayer. 1 Thessalonians 5, Paul tells us to pray without ceasing. Philippians 4, 6 tells us to always be in prayer and supplication with thanksgiving. And now the Bible says private prayer is very important, and it is. But in this context, I'm talking about praying in public. Now the Bible also warns against praying in public for the glory of men. We saw that with the Pharisees, where the whole purpose was to get glory of men. But no, no, this is praying in public to bring glory to God. Never underestimate how powerful it is when you're at lunch with some coworkers or maybe a family of people who might not know Christ as well as you do or at all. So when you sit down for a meal, just say, let's pray and say a quick prayer. You cannot underestimate the impact of that. That is an investment in other people, planting the seed, letting them know how good God is to you and how thankful you are to God. The third thing is mentorship and discipleship. Leading by example. Matthew eleven twenty-eight 28 and 29. This is my favorite verse from this year. But it is where Jesus invites us personally to come to him and to take his yoke upon us. Does everybody remember what a yoke is? It's what they use in the field to put two, two oxen or two cattle together to share a plow. So now we think, think about it. Jesus is saying... Come to me. Enter my yoke. He will share your burdens. He will guide you. How reassuring is that, that we have a personal invitation from Jesus? Mentoring isn't saying, hey, go do this. Hey, go do that. No, it's saying, come here. Let me show you. And we have a personal invitation from Jesus to do that. So let us be mentors and disciplers to one another. Let us edify the church let us walk worthy and strive to be more Christ-like by showing others what it's like to be Christ-like. The fourth thing here, ministry and serving. I mentioned earlier all of the amazing outreach opportunities we've had this year. We had such a good time. We had a lot of good times. It was really fun serving the Lord together. And the response from the community has been outstanding. We have multiple families that have come to the church. We've got a handful of kids who have been here in regular attendance since those outreaches. So it's the edification of the church and encouraging others. It's allowing ourselves to have opportunities to engage with the community, to show others in our lives and in our community the goodness of God. The fifth thing being worship and praise. This needs to be a part of our everyday lives. And as I mentioned earlier, it starts in our home. If you're not worshiping the Lord in your own home, how do you expect others outside of the home to see that? We all know how to worship when we come here, and I'm thankful that we have a pastor who leads us in that. But if it's not present in your home, it's probably not going to be present in your everyday lives. So give God the worship and praise that he deserves. Let it be visible to others around you. 
Show people how Jesus has transformed your life and the whole goodness of God. And I've already mentioned this, but I'm going to say it again as the last and final bullet here. But personal testimony. I can't understate enough how much your personal testimony can mean to someone else. And it doesn't mean you have to have all this scripture memorized. It doesn't mean you have to, you know, have these huge divine appointments. But just telling somebody how good God has been in your life and that Jesus made all of this investment for us, that can make such a huge impact to other people. So that's the end of the message. Let us pray quick. Lord, Heavenly Father, we thank you for the opportunity tonight. We thank you for your word. I pray that this message was an encouragement to others and that they may carry it through the weeks and be the salt and light to those around them. Lord, we thank you and we love you. We pray in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. Amen.